This is an ABC podcast. Midnight madness in Melbourne. Oh, these rallies. Wow. Ridiculous. What a shot. Just when you think you have seen it all. Welcome to the ABC Tennis Podcast. We are coming to you from the stunning Rod Labour Arena. I'm joined as always by John Alexander and John Millman. So much to discuss on today's pod. It was a wild night in Melbourne last night. Novak took on the crowd and Nikirios offered to be his wrestling partner. Meanwhile, Alex Demonor and Stormhunter, they went through to the third round the civilised way, and it's match day for the ABC Tennis Podcast as John Millman, come back John, returns to the court. He's playing doubles today. And where else would we start, John? How are you feeling? I'm feeling very relaxed, a lot more relaxed than whenever I have to play singles. Um, I've not hidden the fact, J.A., that my doubles isn't my strength. I didn't play too much growing up. Well, early not, with on the, in, not with that attitude. Well, early on. on, early on, <laughs> J.A., I had two shoulder surgeries when I just came onto the tour, and I knew I wasn't quite good enough on the singles court. It was going to take a bit of time for me to, to reach that coveted top 100 dream of mine so instead after I played a singles match I'd get back on there and try to fine-tune the the craft of singles so I didn't tend to to back up and play doubles I didn't do a lot of that it wasn't a a a skill acquisition I required perhaps regrettingly so but I might not have uh, achieved what I'd done in singles if I had gone down and played more of that double stuff so yeah look it's going to be interesting it's always a little bit Expect the unexpected. Some days I have a good day on the doubles court. Other days, not. But I'm going to be leaning on my partner, young Eddie Winter. He's a young boy. Uh, He's 19 years old. He's doing the college route. And a lot of the times when you go and play college tennis, um, they have a real big emphasis on the doubles rubber. Uh, I never could really understand it because there'd be three doubles matches to start off with that would be worth one point in this team tennis competition in the college system. And then you'd go out there and play six singles rubbers that would be each worth a point. So there'd be seven points on offer. And I still can't understand it, but whenever I speak to a college player, they say that doubles point is the most important point of the whole match, the whole fixture. So they spend a lot of time working on their doubles craft. I'm looking forward for young Eddie carrying me to perhaps a win. J.A., I fear that John is not taking this seriously enough. Have you heard? He has booked the only court in Melbourne Park with a bar, which is positive and negative. Negative may be for his intentions today, but I think you and I should move out of that player box to the bar. Where should we sit? It's called medication. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, this is very disappointing because you know the whole history of Australian tennis is routed in Davis Cup. And so often it's the doubles match that's the determinant. So it's un-Australian not to be great at doubles. You are a great Australian. Be great at doubles. There's a reason. Do not let us down. There's a reason why Leighton only picked me for my singles prowess. He, I was never. I, I knew in the preparation. Well, what, what did he know about doubles? He only ever won one. I think he played one. One. He won the US Open and then lost to his partner in the first round the following week at this Sydney Olympics. Which it was extraordinary. It was funny during during the 
the Davis Cup preparations, which I loved being a part of. I loved being in, involved in that team environment. But it was always quite funny because you'd have the, the practices and the practice sessions that, you know, were designed for the singles players. And then you'd have in the afternoon session, normally a couple of little doubles sessions. And I knew not even to bother asking, like, do you need me for the afternoon session? No, 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 Johnny, just focus on the morning session. You'll be right. You'll be right. Bush, your pre-match routine has stayed true right to today. Now, Jay, are you ready for this? This could be the highlight of our podcast series. Everyone has a pump-up song. I'm keen to know what yours was, J.A., when we move on to that chat. But With the have... record player. <laughs> <laughs> the phonograph. <laughs> Morse code. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Oh, my God. Let's just break this up by playing John Millman's pump-up song. Have a listen. <laughs> We've got his next career. Wow. There's nothing corporate comeback John can't do. How did you pick this song? Was it inspired by Hugh Grant dancing in love, actually? One of my favourite movies. I have to admit, I love a good Christmas flick and love, actually, the dancing PM. I mean, how good is that? (laughs) It's so good. But I'm fascinated that you say you love, love, actually. Doesn't it make you cry, the airport scenes, because you spend so much of the year on tour? I can't watch it because if I'm spending Christmas away from home, it's too sad. But you're just focusing on Hugh Grant. Who's a better dancer, him or you? He seems to have the, the hip movements. My One, one <laughs> groin surgery uh, put my twerking out of action. <laughs> That's a Miley Cyrus reference, J.A. But, but speaking of... The airport scene at the start of Love Actually, I know we're veering very far away from the tennis here. Just slightly off set of court, yes. But it it rang true and it resonated with me because when you came home from the airport after a, a year of travel, you know, after the 11 months, you know, mum normally there to pick me up or one of my sisters. And it was a, it was a really nice feeling, yeah. As soon as that plane touched down at home in Brisbane, you knew, wow, I'm home. How Did good your mum cry in a good way because I know when I get home it depends how many months I've been away for if they've just a bit bored of me not so much crying I don't think so no 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 no. like I was more happy to be home than probably they were to see me (laughs) well we love your pump up song it's now on my Spotify playlist I may or may not have listened to it this morning a guy who probably needs a bit of a pump up this morning is Novak Djokovic. Now, J.A., you love a wild night out, and I just feel like Melbourne is delivering. You know it's a big night when the world number one is walking up to the crowd and saying, come down here and say it to my face. What did you make of Novak Djokovic's interaction with the crowd when he was taking on the Aussie, Alexi Popperin? Well, it shows, as we've been discussing, that he's he is a little bit tense coming into this event, and that's you know bubbling right up to the surface. Uh, does he do it to really try to charge himself when he was feeling flat? Because he did appear a little bit flat. Is is he trying to you know, rev himself up and and get the adrenaline f- you know firing and actually get into a confrontation, a real fight, to try to bring some fight to the game? Um, he, he wasn't at his best last night. You know, there's, 
you know, he seemed a, a little flat, not to take anything away from Popperin, who you know, played a magnificent match. But um, you, you've got to have a little question mark. Is he at his best? And uh, this behaviour is a little bit uh, beyond the pale, I think. You've picked it because he did admit in press after that maybe he needed a spark. He also is struggling with a bit of a virus. It looks like a cold. He was blowing his nose. I don't know how you play tennis at that intensity with a cold or a flu. Like, it's tough to just get up and sit in an office. Never mind do that. I don't think you can say the word COVID, can he? I think that who a viral infection, I think... It's, you know, the world's changed and we've moved on. So it used to be in Melbourne that the sight of someone blowing their nose could have you, could have you in the leper, talked in the to. Le in the leper colony sort of thing. Indeed. What about you, John? Have you ever played with a viral infection like that? Is it standard? Because you've got to turn up to work, essentially. Yeah, there will be times throughout the year where you're not at 100% and you're feeling a bit off and... Unless it tips over and you physically can't get on the court, you just have to get on with the job. I think the thing that Novak has in his favour is that he's got an incredible amount of experience and he almost can manage his way through these matches still because of his talent that he's got. But, yeah, the word in the locker room was that he is a bit... He is struggling physically a little bit. He, you know, he's not at 100% just yet. The lucky thing for him is the fact that these tournaments go over two weeks. So there is time for him to get better. I imagine he's not going to be doing too much today on his day off. He'll be resting a lot, probably sleeping. No one looks after his body better than, than Novak. So I think that hopefully we see him recover and because and, I think the tournament is better for him. I mean, the crowd last night was awesome. There was just as many Alexi Popran fans as there were, you know, Serbian fans in the crowd going for Novak. And going back to, I think you hit the nail on the head there, J.A., I think that he was looking for that spark. He needed something to kind of get him going. He needed to... He was up against it with Alexi. He wanted to find something else to, to motivate him also. But Alexi was awesome. And I, and I picked this with Alexi. He's just got a really big game and he's got some really big weapons. And what I love is the fact that he's got a good coach with him in Xavier Melise. And he's got so much upside because there's things that he knows he can work on. He can tidy up that back end. The slice is really good. But that topspin back end, he's, he's gradually making these small incremental improvements on that, on that wing. Um, when that tidies up even more and there's no out to that side, because when you play against Alexi, you're thinking, okay, where can I neutralize the point? Where's the out? Okay, if I can get it into that backhand corner, that's how I can get back on level pegging in the rally. If he can tidy that up, um, which I know he's working extremely hard on, that forehand is a massive weapon, and he wins so many free points on serve. That'll give him a lot of confidence moving forward, and I think that in future editions of the Australian Open, he'll be up there with Dimina in terms of, you know, some a threat to go really deep on in, in the second week of these types of tournaments. How high can his ranking go? Well, he's got weapons. And, and when you have weapons, the sky's the limit. You know, it would frustrate me. I felt a weapon of mine uh, was my, my mental strength and my ability to concentrate and focus and, and pump up and, and fight hard. And yeah, I was, I was good from the back of the court, but it's different having those types of strengths than having absolute weapons where they're, where they're completely, you know, high echelon world-class. And at the moment, Alexi's got that in his serve and his forehand. And when you've got that and you can really learn how to use them to great effect... 
you can climb up the rankings really, really, really quickly. Jordan Thompson was so impressive against Stepanos Tsitsipas, J.A. I was putting it on the WhatsApp group. I was getting carried away saying this is the match of the tournament. And I feel like every time the Aussies take to the court, it made me wonder where would all those Aussies be ranked if every Grand Slam was in Australia? Because they are playing out of their skins. Yeah, well, you know, another incredible performance by Jordan Thompson. It's so close. The match is so closely uh, contested that they, you know, like on knife's edge, they can go either way. But if you were to say this is the best match of the tournament, we, I mean, I think I've said that three times a day each day. I mean, Same. Just, it has been just uh, the most amazing Grand Slam. I can't remember Grand Slam like it, where there's just so many great matches in the men's singles and the women's singles. And last night, I mean... Yeah, at the same time, you develop a split personality trying to jump from one match to the other to catch all of the action. Lucky they've got us in the morning to uh, bring it back to life. Lucky they do. What about Stepanos Tsitsipas's box? It's very interesting. His dad is his coach. He's incredibly involved. He's had Mark Philippoussis involved before. It seems to be all back to his dad coaching him. His dad is very animated. When Stepanos is struggling, he looks to his dad. The box gets quite lively. If you're playing a guy and you see he's getting a lot more coaching, things are getting lively in the box, can that motivate you when you see the entire team under pressure? I, I think it's how you prepare and, and you know that Pass is going to go in there and he's going to use his box a lot. So Thompson would have known, Tomo would have known, you know, what that box is like. And I think with Pass, he's really looking, again, we use the word spark for Novak. I think Pass is looking for that spark also because... Last year, by his own standards, I thought he fell a little bit flat, um, got his dad back involved, who's been with him his whole career. Like, this is a guy that they've spent, they would have spent countless hours on the court together, so no one understands Stefanos' game more than, than, the, than the father. But he obviously likes it. He, he uses that energy from that box. I thought at times, especially when it got tight, um, and he was feeling the pressure. I thought he got a little bit nervy there towards the end. He tried to serve it out, couldn't quite do so. Um, there were some really tense moments, and he really leant on that box to do that. And, and tennis, it's an individual sport because it's you versus the other person at the other end, but in essence, actually quite a team sport. You assemble your team. So many moving parts get you to that position on the court. So, yeah, he uses it, and I think he does it uh, to effect. Alex Dimonor, was that the fuss-free second round straight sets win that he needed really just to grow his confidence and make it through those Grand Slam nerves, his first slam as a world number 10, and justifiably he's getting a lot more attention for that. And also showed that match, you know, it's, it's hard to maintain the rage for three continuous sets because for, for two sets, I think he won the second set, six love, and then just... Early in the thir third set, midway through the third set, he lost concentration, lost his rhythm, and he struggled a little bit to get it back. But it was a good exercise to, to do that. And uh, I think that was the, the perfect second round because he didn't spend too much gas, didn't you know, exhaust himself. It was a big confidence booster. He got another match, you know, a full match this time rather than the, the default as he got halfway through the first round. So I think he is perfectly prepared to go into the third round now. And I think J.A. was the type of match that he was a lot more comfortable with. 
more drawn out, extended rallies. He could find his rhythm, whereas in his first round against Milos Raonic, it was really one-two tennis from the Canadian. So you can't, in those types of, of exchanges, you can't really find any type of rhythm. And Alex, he's, a, he's an aggressive baseline player. So he likes those long, drawn-out rallies where he can use his physicality. I think he looked just a lot more comfortable in that type of matchup. And the good news for Australian fans is, is that he's going to get a similar matchup in his next round against Ciboli, who's also one of those aggressive baseliners. And another one of these Italians, they seem to be coming out of everywhere in men's tennis. They are hopefully, hopefully it's a smooth passage to the fourth round for him. Storm Hunter, I love her story. I just think she's great as a person. She's so real and authentic on the court. In the end, she defeated Laura Siegmund of Germany. Now, Laura Siegmund is ranked so much higher than her. It's the second match consecutively that she's done that. She's beaten an opponent far more highly ranked than her. She's the doubles world number one. You can see how much it means to her. But how far can she go? Because her technical singles ranking is at around 180, but she's world number one in doubles. Should we get excited? Well, she's obviously got a great skill set and a different skill set to a lot of the women that she's playing because of her success in the doubles and because of how comfortable she is in and around the net. Also helps, I think, Storm that she is that lefty. And But I, I was noticing this at the United Cup. I know I was watching her just playing in the mixed doubles events, but she was holding her own. Uh, you know, she had guys like, like uh, Neil Skupski, who also got to world number one in doubles, but she had Rajiv Ram, and they were, th they were thundering down 200-kilometer-an-hour serves, and she was obviously feeling it within herself because she was timing those returns incredibly well. I thought I was super impressed with her level at the United Cup, and it actually doesn't come as a surprise that she's, she's doing quite well in this singles event right now. She's made the most of, the, of a draw. I think some of her qualifying matches were a little bit tougher than her main draw matches. And, and such is, I, I think this, this goes unnoticed in tennis a little bit. Sometimes that gap between these people who are 100 and 200 in the world is not too dissimilar to the gap between, you know, the top 100. So she's doing great. Um, I love her story. She is a really, really nice person. Um, and with those types of people, you just want them to do well. So awesome effort. Third round. How good's that? Who am I to say that she can't keep going further? Well, sort of the antithesis of John has sacrificed what could have been a great doubles career <laughs> for Shuey's singles career. The Storm you know, sacrificed singles because she was doing so well in doubles and it's paying the bills. And there's been a lot of players that have done this in the past and you know, concentrated on doubles, made a lot of money and you know, neglected their singles. But at this moment... She's got a chance to go forward and maybe really build a ranking that gets her into the events. Because when you're playing in the main doubles draw, it's hard to you know, get and you're in the finals the week before. You can't play in the qualifying for the next week's tournament. Indeed. And don't out. be worrying about John Millman's doubles career. It's just starting today. We know that he's never quite retired. He never quite transitioned through the podcast series. So the best is yet to come, J.A. Show faith. We'll be at the bar while he's playing, so it will look great to us. Let's move on to Mira Andreeva, the 16-year-old Russian who sent Ons Jabur packing out of the Australian Open. Now, this was a real thrashing. Ons Jabur, 6-love, six 6-2. Six 
This was tough to watch on Jabir, actually, and we'll talk about that more later. But have a listen to what Mira Andreva had to say after. You mentioned this was the second time for you out on Rod Laver because a year ago you were playing the junior final here. How much has changed for you in the last 12 months and your game has just come on so much? Do you feel that way as well? Um, no. I, <laughs> I just feel like I am a bit more mature than I was before. I just... Uh... You're only 16. <laughs> well, that's true, but... <laughs> Um, last year I was 15, and so <laughs> in this year I think I changed a lot, and uh, I think you can see that on the court. What about that? How mature were you two at 16? I'm tipping not that much. What do you think? <laughs> well, I didn't shave. Um, <laughs> Well, I thought it was magnificent. It was one of those moments like the first time you saw Steffi Graf play when she was about 15 and Martina Hingis when she won the juniors at Wimbledon. When I think she was either 12 or 13. But this is a moment everybody who was here yesterday and saw Mira play will remember it forever because she is going to be a real contender at these events for the next 10 years or more. And uh, I thought she was absolutely magnificent. On the closing point, she seemed to burst into tears and I think, to give Ons credit, she was so graceful in defeat and gave her a big hug and said, well done, and uh, yeah, nobody, nobody loses. Ons will be back, but Mira's here to stay. She is. Ons Jabir, I find it hard to watch her in a way because I feel like her struggles are completely mental and because she's so open and so beautiful in the way she communicates. Like she admitted that if she won Wimbledon, she was going to stop playing tennis and have a baby. And that was, that's such a personal life decision you're talking about publicly. But think of being on the court and knowing that that could be the outcome. As someone who struggled with confidence early in their career, I find it difficult to watch women sabotage themselves in that way. And I don't know her. Can she get over that and win a Grand Slam? Well, she definitely can win a Grand Slam because she's proven that she can go deep in them in the past. I think it's just so much. It feels like there's just so much excess baggage that she's carrying around with her. There's so much weight on her shoulders thinking about the family. And, and it feels like that in her head, this window is quite small for her to, to succeed and to have that success and to chase that Grand Slam glory. And I can't imagine the pressures that she must be facing um, mentally. And I really hope for the best for her because, you know, she, as you've touched on, she's a beautiful person, she's so nice, and you want good things to happen to nice people. You really do. And she's facing a different timeline than a male player would face. And she it must be on her mind that her timeline is different. And just it broke my heart when she admitted that that's what she was thinking at Wimbledon. Yes, it's uh, you know I I would think that she could sit down calmly at some point and reason with herself and look at the fantastic career she's had, and if it ended today, you'd say I've had a great career, two women in the finals, and you know adored by all. She needs, as John says, to get rid of that baggage. You can't carry that baggage onto the court. It's such a disadvantage. She needs to denude herself of all baggage and just go on and play tennis and allow herself to play her best, and that's her best, give herself the best chance to then win. Carrying that baggage around is uh, a real handicap. And, and also weigh up the priorities. 
is the priority to have a family and that's fantastic if it is like what what's more important right now is it to have a family or is it to win that grand slam and maybe put a time limit on it we're going to go all all or nothing for i don't know the next two years or, or the next year but it's a really difficult position for me to to judge and and to try to understand what she's feeling because like you touched on male players do not even have to consider that so i really feel for her um it was it would have been a really tough loss that's a that's a massive knock to the confidence losing to this up and coming 16 year old who is super special mind you she is a really really special player and just quickly I speak to a lot of junior players and I remember when I was a junior myself and oh, I wasn't making finals of junior Australian Opens, but I always felt as if the life, my life was going to end. You know, my career was going to end if I didn't win this match in a junior national final or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, you'd come off the court, you've had a big loss in, in the finals and, you know, you just felt so down about yourself and, and thought, yeah, that's it, you know. What's going to happen now? Well, have a look at this girl. She's finalist of the Junior Australian Open last year. She was in tears on the court. That would be a distant memory now. She has gone on leaps and bounds. It's not always as bad as what you think it is. And also, it's not always as good as you think it is. Because a few years ago, I was working at the Sydney International and I was doing a media op with Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova. And she was talking to young kids about sometimes winning a junior title is the worst thing that can happen to you because she struggled so badly after winning a junior title because it was automatically assumed, well, you're a future Grand Slam champion. When is that happening? When it didn't happen quickly and then so far it hasn't happened at all, that was her mental baggage. So it's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. It works both ways, doesn't it? And also in pursuing junior events often players are setting themselves for that sort of standard and playing conservatively, whereas the really great players are the ones that are developing their game. I don't think Sampras did all that well in the juniors, but he certainly did great in the, in the seniors. In fact, I think Todd Woodbridge had a big win-loss record over Pete Sampras in the juniors, but it, Pete was developing a bigger game and uh, yeah, had wonderful success. I don't think Rod Laver did that well in the, in the juniors either, if you go right back. Uh, but you know, some players are great from day one, and some. but it's the players that develop their game and use the junior events to actually develop a game to play in the, in the senior events. Late bloomers are best. I think that's what we can learn from this conversation. Any, well, any day now. <laughs> Me too, any day now. Well, our friends at the AO Show, that is the official podcast of the Australian Open, they've also been talking about the 16-year-old superstar Mira Andreva and how she had to beat her idol. To think that she grew up watching Onjava, and what we all love about Ons is that she's the type of player, and she's also, most importantly, the type of person that opens up and that lets you into her life. And that's why we all are aching for her to do brilliantly and to pick up that first Grand Slam. You know, the, she was so upset when she didn't get across the line at Wimbledon thought she could come here but she has been battling that knee injury she hasn't come in playing much tennis and you've got to be match fit i mean that's the only challenge with this grand slam taking place in january it is the crown jewel of australian tennis but it happens very quickly and so a lot of these players do come down early play in the united cup in brisbane in adelaide and she didn't get the chance to do that and so coming in and taking on a player who has got nothing to lose the underdog not expected to win Everybody wanted and expected Ons to get across the line, but she couldn't, and she was completely swept off the court. 
Well, I think that's great insight because for me, looking at Ons Jabeur play today, it didn't look like the Ons Jabeur that we've, that we've grown to know and grown to love. And so I did have a question mark just in watching the match over her health, over her fitness, over her condition. And so I think what, what Kate highlights there in terms of an, an injury-interrupted preparation, for me, absolutely is a factor in the match. And getting back to the Andreva side of the equation, she does it in a different way, doesn't she, in terms of return of serve. So often in the women's game now we're seeing players on, or in the case of someone like a Garcia or an Osaka, well inside the baseline returning second serves. Andreva's prepared to yield ground. She's more than happy to go back in the court. She wants to start that battle of attrition, if you like, to utilise her physicality to the fullest extent and and what a mover she is, incredibly agile and lightning quick around the court. So I love the fact that from a return of her perspective, she does it, does it in a different way to most of her peers. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how she progresses because she's got nothing to lose. She's claimed a huge scalp already and uh, the world is bright. The world is very exciting for Mira, Mira Andreva. Let's see what happens in the next round. And you can hear more of this conversation on the official podcast of the Australian Open, the AO Show. Well, it's a massive night tonight. And when you're listening to that, of course, go to the ABC Listen app and press the tennis button. Thanasi Kokonakis is back on court. He is playing the nicest guy on the tour. I say this about a lot of people, but there's a lot of really good tennis players out there. Grigor Dimitrov, he won the Brisbane International. He's loving his life. He's traveling with his family. Who wins this one? Well, I think that Thanasi is going to have to improve and elevate his performance in his first round match which was really at a high level but it's a different kettle of fish now against Grigor Dimitrov I was commentating Grigor's match he was a little scratchy at the start and a little bit vulnerable on that second serve I also spoke to Jamie Delgado his coach and he thought that was probably one of Grigor's worst matches he's played for a while so I think he's really looking for a response from his player he knows that he's in really good form he's playing some great tennis as you touched on Catherine he played incredibly well at the Brisbane International. I think if he can get that form that he showed at the Brisbane International, he can go make it for a really deep run at this tournament. Thanasi, pretty simple. He has to serve well. He has to find his forehand. That's how Thanasi uh, builds his game around those two shots. Um, the longer the rally goes and the more variety that Grigor can use, I think it starts to tilt the balance in Grigor's favour. We'd be a ripper match. I love watching Grigor play because Same. stylistically, he's such a pretty player to watch. He's got every trick in the book. Um, and if the match gets close, he'll start to really start, he'll start to showcase them. So I'm hoping for a close match so we can see, well, hopefully the Aussie win. But secondly, we can see Grigor with all his tricks. J.A., who wins that one? Well, I know he's going to win, but if I told you, it'd spoil all the fun. Um, <laughs> Look, I think Tanasi had a great prep, the five sets in the, in the opening round. It was a confidence builder because he, he competed so well. He stayed so stoic. He was really solid even when he was down. He kept his composure and held it together and, and won a great match. He did serve well. His slider out wide on the first court was just magnificent, the way he could slow it down to you know, 175, 180. And, you know, the faster the ball goes, the straighter it goes. So when you get it down to 175 with a bit of slice on it, it really was bending out and slicing out and 
taking uh, his opponent out of court. He also volleyed, volleyed spectacularly at times. So he's a very complete player and he's had a great prep and you know, he's such a deserving person. He's, he's very easy to like. I think he's a great, great person, great player and wish him well tonight. Certainly is. Okay, finally, before we go, tonight, Ila Tomjanovic taking on Yelena Ostapenko. These guys have had some on-court dramas at Wimbledon. Ila Tomjanovic did a press conference. She handled it so well. She was like, oh, we're fine, but I respect her as a tennis player. I note the absence of as a person. She was very classy, Isla, not suggesting she's trying to fire anything up. But you know Isla really well from the United Cup. Will this get fiery? Yeah, I thought that answer was really funny because she kept on digging herself into a larger hole. And by the end, she said, oh, this answer's gone on way too long. <laughs> I thought that was really funny from, from Isla. Um, that first round win, we touched on it already, would have done her the world of good in confidence. Ostapenko, it really is on her racket though, isn't it? it, it the way that she plays, she's super aggressive. She even said this year she plans to be even more aggressive, which I just wow. am really scratching my head as to how that's possible. Um, it'll be a great match. And the one thing that Isla does know is that that crowd will be going for her like they did in John Kane Arena in her first round match. Well, speaking of the crowd going for a player, J.A., we know what John Millman's going to do to warm up for doubles. He'll be dancing like Hugh Grant to the Pointer Sisters jump. How do we warm up? for our podcast playing doubles today. I mean, I feel like it's all of us. He's representing the team. Yeah. There is a bar at the court. There is a hint. Yeah. In case of catastrophe, we can drown our sorrows. <laughs> we are not going to drink. We're not going to lose it because we're there. We know you're a winner. You've got yep. a... You've got a younger partner to do all of the, of the, the heavy smashing. lifting. When I first played with Fitzy, who was 10 years younger than me, a ball went up in the middle of the court. It was my smash, and I left it for him. And he's looked at me like, what are you doing? I said, <laughs> What's the point of having somebody younger if you're not going to chase the lobs? So you uh, could use that. You know, I, would have I wouldn't have understood that tactic, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But the shoulder's feeling pretty sore these days. So I don't think I'll be hitting too many smashes. Oh, well, John, we Yours can't wait. Yours is the call. Yours. Yeah. Get in early. You. <laughs> Yours. We can't wait to watch, John. I love that you're getting a farewell. Not saying that's today, by the way, but I love that you're out on court. During the main draw doubles, we know that you'll fly the flag for us and get a win. Either way, we can't wait to watch. Thanks so much for warming up with us today, John. Jay, thank you so much for today. It's just a pleasure to chat to you guys every day. We'll be back on the ABC Tennis Podcast first thing tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.